You're listening to the Stay Sore Podcast. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to the Stay Sore Podcast. I'm your host, Bo Skitscope, and today I have Dr. Joe Klemzeski. So we had an episode about diabetes. Dr. Joe Klemzeski is back to talk about why can't I lose weight? So, and me as a coach, as a personal trainer, as a fitness studio owner, I know this every time a new client comes in for, for a consultation, for example, and asks me, Hey, I'm doing all these things. I'm eating really healthy, but I can't lose weight. So Dr. Joe, what's the reason? Why can't people lose weight? What's your opinion? Well, you know, there, there's kind of a, a list that I go through and I, I want to start with the biggest variable first, because if, if somebody's a client of yours and you're working with them, you know, the flow, you've given them some kind of meal planning guidance or macro guidance that then you generally know where they're at, the context from which they're coming from. And, uh, and that's a different set of criteria and variables to address. But right off the bat, when somebody says, I, I just can't lose weight, you know, I, I think I'm eating really healthy, what am I doing? The first thing I do is understand the physiological principle of the metabolic switch, which means, yes, you can eat healthier. Yes, you can even be in a calorie deficit, but since we have so much stored glycogen in our muscle tissue and our liver, and our body's always going to use the, the glucose and the calories from each meal we eat first, it takes several steps to actually start using body fat stores. And, and your body makes an actual switch. Once you reach a certain level of, of glycogen depletion, you know, stored carbohydrate in your liver and muscle tissue, and, and it takes most people, uh, based on the pace that they're eating their calories, two, three, or four days to get there. And, and most people don't have any context of what's happening in their body. They just look at the scale and they, they say, oh man, I lost a pound today. Great. They get on the scale the next day. I lost another pound. Great. They, they get to next week and, and they've gained three pounds back and they're back to where they started. What they don't realize is the, the first three, four, five pounds you lose are going to be that glycogen and associated water. And then the first time you refill that, because it's like, yeah, I had a great week. Let's go to Hacienda and have a basket of chips and a couple margaritas. <laughs> yeah. You pull all of that carbohydrate back in your body. You, you restore that. All that water retention is there again. And you got to the door. You were literally at the doorway of losing body fat and you came back out. And we just repetitively do that. And that's literally what's called the metabolic switch. Whereas if you get there and you're just consistent, you know, yes, you can have some calorie fluctuations and you're going to, you're going to modulate your calorie expenditure by your cardio. It's, it's not a, a perfect to the gram or calorie mm -hmm. execution, but you're at least staying within that margin so that the metabolic switch gets to a higher percent of fat loss. And then you just stay there because Bo Every time you go back and forth, those are three or four days of actual dieting that you're not cashing in. And so this is why statistically you can lose 50% or more body fat with the same amount of calories over time. If you just get to that metabolic position of using fat as a higher percentage of energy and you stay there. So that kind of consistency it is just critical. It's, it's the entire ballgame. If I understand correctly, what you're trying to say is uh, the problem is the yo-yoing up and down and not staying consistent, maybe imperfect, but still consistent in the lower 
calorie deficit or being in a slight calorie deficit for long enough, even not perfection, but long enough trying hard to where you walk through the door when you do like three, four days of dieting and like now I can actually afford the slice of pizza or something there where that's where you undo the whole three to four days. Is that about right? Yeah. And, and when you use that phrase, you know, yo-yo, it's in a very acute term. It's, it's, it's the fact that you're doing this, you know, once or twice a week, you know, it's, it's not that you're gaining or losing 20 or 30 pounds. It's just that you keep yo-yoing back and forth between those two metabolic position points. And, and so, so that's the, that's the kind of person who would usually say, you know, I don't even know what I'm doing. I'm just, I'm, I'm trying my hardest, but it's just not happening. But let's, let's say it's a client of yours and, and they've lost 10 or 15 pounds already and they just hit these plateaus and sticking points. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe they go through three or four weeks and they're not losing and, and they start thinking, well, maybe something's wrong with my body. Like maybe I quote broke my metabolism. I, I, need, to, I need to eat more. Mm-hmm. And you know everybody has to realize this one truth of biochemistry. Mm-hmm. If you are not losing body fat, by definition, you are not in a calorie deficit. So there's nothing, there's nothing secret or magical or something you're missing that if you just, you know, do this or do this, you're just not eating low enough levels of food or perhaps training enough on the expenditure side. So Mm -hmm. the next thing we have to do for somebody in that situation is, is just readdress accuracy, objectivity, are you, are you still, are you just starting to eyeball stuff? Are you kind of snacking, grabbing a bite here and there? Or are you literally sticking to the plan that you want? Because eventually at the end of this list, Bo, we, we need to be able to say, okay, if, if we've crossed every T dotted every I, then maybe we do need to adjust calorie intake. But I don't want to do that just as a knee-jerk reaction when there could be some other reason that, that's just much, much easier. Like, for example, what? Well, if, if, if I'm looking at accuracy and this is, you know, this is the easiest question to get out of the way, you know, just look your clients in the eye and say, look, are, are you sure? Like, are you, are you literally tracking everything as accurately as you were? <laughs> I, half of my clients just turned off the, the podcast <laughs> you said that because that's probably, I don't know about you and your clients and you have nutritionist working under you, you have so many more people. And uh, is that the, the biggest sticking point counting calories? Yeah, but well, but there are other things that can slide under the radar and and people Mm -hmm. don't realize it. So, you know, there are all kinds of diet foods, these low carb breads and tortillas and so forth that use all kinds of exotic fibers and fillers. And and they just lie. They just lie on the label. Like, like there was this one company putting out these like zero noodles and so forth. And they would say, well, it's because it's this one part of the yam and we don't count that kind of like glycerol and net Mm -hmm. carbs and so people were consuming about 50 grams of carbs per serving and counting them as zero. Um, you know, alcohol sometimes, you know, you, you look at oh, a yeah. oh, yeah. of tequila or a glass of wine and it says, look, look at this food tracker. It says there's zero grams of carbs, zero grams of fat. But, but yet there are, you know, 200 calories that are coming from ethyl alcohol and you have to count that. You have to count it as carbs or fat, but it's still something that people can just say, well, I didn't realize it because it literally says no carbs or fat. I literally just had this conversation with a new client of mine. She sent me a picture. I made her track calories on uh, my fitness pal because I think it's an easy way to do that. And she mm-hmm. sent me, look, I can, uh, I'm out and I'm making smart choices. I'm partying and I have 
this uh, this some some sort of alcohol. I'm so not familiar with alcohol. I don't even know what's going on there. But she sent me like a picture of the scanned barcode, and it says zero calories. I can drink as much as I want. Yeah. Uh, okay. So yeah. okay. So tr- tracking calories and the accuracy of tracking calories. But uh, as a uneducated person, if you're not a nutritionist, if you're not familiar with these things. Where do you start? How do you not get confused? And how do you fix all these issues? Would you have any practical tips? Yeah, it, it really does take just investing in the process, just like you would learn anything new. So I had a brand new client start with me this week, and she's never dieted at all. And so as I'm going through, you know, we had we had a consultation in person. Then when I created her program, I sent it to her with a, a, a big video explanation. And and I told her, look, you know, this is going to look really overwhelming because you're starting at square one. And but all I want you to do, I I created a sample meal plan because I wanted to give you an example with the macronutrient profile I'm suggesting. Mm -hmm. You know, I used all the foods you like. Uh, You know, we talked about that. I I used your schedule, your meal schedule. So I created a perfect meal plan. But you're not going to be able to do this every day. You're going to, you're going to have a lunch with a client. You're going to go out to eat sometime. You're going to, you know, it's never going to, it's never going to be something you can just do for the next six months. Mm-hmm. So we have to gradually learn how to make exchanges. That, that's why I created the whole macro tracking method mm-hmm. because that allows you to have ultimate flexibility. So as I explained all this to her Bo, twice, you know, it made sense. It made sense. And then I, I just got this white flag, you know, message from her. Like, I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm so confused. Can, can we get on the phone? So now for a third time, because we don't know what we don't know mm-hmm. until we encounter it. And so what I, so what I told her, we got on the phone. I explained things to her again, just one piece at a time. Just says, here's what you need to know for today. Then let's touch base, see how you did. And we'll, we'll fine tune a couple of things for tomorrow. So the only thing that I had to do with her is make sure she felt comfortable enough to just keep going one step at a time. Mm-hmm. Because like you said, somebody who doesn't have education in biochemistry, physiology and all that, you're either you're just going to follow a, a meal plan, which we know is never going to work, you know, long-term, <laughs> yeah. you're going to follow some, some, you know, crazy extreme diet, which is not going to work, or you have to commit to learning this just a little bit at a time. And as I finished with her, I said, look, in two weeks, you're going to look back and say, wow, this is really easy. Like, I've got mm-hmm. it. Like, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm making exchanges. I'm tracking my food on, on an app. I'm doing all these things. And it's okay. Like, now I get it. But it's going to take us a few days of really digging in and learning some new stuff. Okay. So, Dr. Joe, you literally have a PhD in all this stuff. And um, my question to you is, uh, this is what I do with clients. And do you agree? I think they don't even understand what the caloric values is for, for what they eat. They don't even understand the value of the food that they eat. And they meaning a regular person that has a nine to five job and doesn't have the, the education we have. And um, the best solution for me, I think, is start tracking. Don't change your diet. Start tracking so you understand actually what you eat. What, what, what do you on a daily basis consume? And that will be eye-opening. Your Flintstones mm-hmm. vitamins might have sugar in them and stuff. And people think this is all healthy stuff. You know what I mean? So just tracking for a week, two, three weeks will be a huge eye-opening experience that will answer a lot of questions that you had for the last 10, 15 years. Would you agree with that? 
Yeah. And, and that was the, that was the one thing I got her to do. Like she asked me, she said, Hey, I went to lunch at this restaurant. Here's what I ordered, but how do I know if I made a good decision? Mm -hmm. So with her on the phone, I pulled up that, that website, that restaurant's website. And I looked it up and I said, okay, here's how many grams of carbs, fat, this. And, and then I, you know, that gave me an opportunity to explain a little bit more of the makeup of food, mm -hmm. you know, starch versus fiber. And, and you're exactly right. And that, that's why this whole thing has to be a process. You, you have to be open to learning some new objective things about food. And it does start with exactly what you said, which is awareness of what's even in it. Yeah. And the, the good thing is nowadays, like you mentioned, websites of restaurants most of them usually have a breakdown these days on the website you can literally look up what you're going to order if you go on a trip somewhere on a work work trip or something you can go ahead and a week ahead plan your meals out by looking my hotel is closer to these restaurants or these places you can go on the website and check how many calories and is it protein carb and fat what's the makeup and you can make a plan right so there's really not that many excuses correct yeah and you know what just continuing to use this new client as a bit of an example uh we talked about this coming weekend and she said hey you know what you know, that was an easy one because that, that restaurant had a website, but my husband and I usually go out to this restaurant, which is more of a mom and pop local place, you know, then how am I going to know? So I said, well, you, you just have to learn to look up like items. So, you know, if you have to kind of break down the meal and say, okay, this looks like it's five or six ounces of chicken. And this mm -hmm. looks like it's two or three cups of lettuce mix or whatever, like, like that's the worst case scenario. The best case scenario is just look up, like if you're going to have a burger and fries, like look it up and look up any other restaurant that would be comparable. Mm -hmm. uh, and just by doing that, Bo, she was able to say, wow, like that's a lot of carbs. You know, when you look at the, the bun and the fries and, and I said, well, let's, let's, and fat. And I said, well, let's say, you know, it, this is kind of your, your meal of the week that may be a little bit more indulgent. Mm -hmm. Maybe this is a place where if you really want the French fries, you have a grilled chicken breast sandwich. And so mm -hmm. now you don't have a high amount of fat from both. And then next week, if you have a burger, you know, maybe you have a salad instead of the fries or, you know, but, but exactly what we're teaching clients is to start paying attention to the objective value in food. And if you know what's in it, you're never blindsided. You're always in control. Your brain automatically flips to, oh, wait, what's in that? Oh, that's high fat. Oh, that's high carb. Oh, this has this in it. And you're, you know that because that's what really hamstrings most people. They just don't know. Yeah, uh, couldn't couldn't agree more. The lack of understanding and the willingness willingness to take a minute, sit down and figure out what you actually eat is probably the biggest biggest hurdle to losing weight. It's it's not this magical secret. What's the magic food that I should eat? It's understanding food in general. Um, so let's go back to a little practical things. Can you give me and the listeners three to five practical tips? Let's say I've, I'm quote unquote eating healthy. I can't lose weight. So step one, step two, step three, maybe up to five, depending how many you have practical steps. What do I do right now if I can't lose weight and I think I eat healthy? Yeah, I mean, that, that's about exactly what my list looks like. So, you know, we already talked about just that metabolic positioning. Am, am I day to day consistently enough in a calorie deficit so that I'm forcing my body to use body fat as energy and I'm not slamming myself back and forth where all I'm doing is losing and then refilling carbs in my body. So metabolic positioning is number one. Number two is the true accuracy. You know, am I tracking it properly and so forth? 
Number three, then, you know, gets into, as we described, food sources. Is there anything that's really bizarre uh, that I'm, I'm getting into? But one that a lot of people miss is, is meal timing. You know, okay. sometimes people, you know, it, it's, it's a bit of a controversy now because in the 90s and 2000s, the, the main pop culture diet tip was, you know, eat smaller meals more frequently, mm-hmm. you know, eat, eat every three, three hours. And then all of a sudden here comes intermittent fasting and people are all of a sudden eating just twice a day and they, they want 16 hours without eating. Mm-hmm. And there's some value to that, but it may not be right for you because you may have a faster metabolism. You may have a different schedule. You may train in the morning or evening and you just can't go that long without food. So what I like to tell people is let's, if they're stuck, if they're just not losing and, and you've checked all these other boxes, let's see if we can extend some meal timing because Bo, I'm one of these guys as a, as a retired pro bodybuilder, you know, you're, you're constantly thinking about retaining muscle mass and strength and you want great recovery from your workouts and great pre-workout nutrition for, for workouts. So it's just always like food, 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 food. And in sometimes even in a moderate calorie deficit, you're just not giving your body enough time between meals to force yourself to acutely access body fat. So you've got that metabolic switch, which means per day, per week, I'm losing body fat, but even meal to meal, that's, that's how we get out of that good position is we start toggling, you know, too many meals, too many meals, too close together, too close together. Even if we're not binging or eating bad food, we just start eating ourselves to the point where we're, we're full again from a glycogen perspective. So Sometimes you have to say, okay, man, it's been three hours. I'm feeling a little hungry. Can I go another half an hour? Can I go another hour? Can I drink some water? Take, but, take a little walk. That's, that's uncomfortable. Why would you do that? <laughs> yeah, and that's it. So, so one of the things I tell people is, you know, you are in a calorie deficit and you are going to be uncomfortable sometimes. So you should control that. You need to pick the time of the day when you are going to pay that price. So I know, for example, like after I, I train in the mornings, I eat breakfast. And then because of all that metabolic activity, like I'm, I'm starving two hours later, yeah. I can easily justify that and say, I'm hungry. I'm going to go eat. But if I make myself wait an extra hour and a half or so, I'm going to lose body fat because I'm now taking advantage of that ramped up metabolism and I'm burning body fat. I understand. So, so sometimes it turns out you have to be a little hungry for one to lose weight. Is that what you're yeah. saying? You know, crazy. as I wrote in one of my books, you know, a little hunger doesn't kill you. It, it, you know, you, you find that out. And, and not only do you get used to it, but you literally stop feeling that physiological cue because, again, of that metabolic switch. Your, your body gets adapted to using more fat more efficiently. And you, that, that's how you actually get to a place where you lose body fat. And it's, it's actually more comfortable. And uh, I'll step, I'll do a step more, step further and say that quite often, it's not even so much hunger, it's just habit. I mm-hmm. have to, I have to keep chewing or like, when I sit down in front of the TV and watch a good movie, it's all of a sudden that, that switch kicks in and like, I need to chew on something. No, you Grab don't. Chips. Yeah. yeah, you know, you don't. So I totally agree. And the other point may be a little off topic, but it's actually on topic. I would like to think that pretty much every major religion in the world teaches controlling your appetite mm. for many different reasons, health, mental strength and stuff like that. So there's a reason for that. You should control 
you should be in control of your body, not your body controlling you. So, okay, so we have these tips. I, I hope people will get some value out of it. Any last words of wisdom? If somebody says it's too hard, it's I don't know how to do it. Any any motivational quote or anything? Well, you know, I, I'll finish off with like I, I really do think once you get through those first two, three, or four steps, you're you're going to find the place where you are just missing the mark a little bit. Every once in a while, you, you do have an underlying health issue. You have a lower thyroid hormone. You have PCOS, but a, a big factor, Bo, too, is is movement. You know, so, sometimes people who go from just sedentary life to maybe doing a little workout here and there they could still be challenging themselves to, to ramp up the intensity a little bit, add another five minutes to your cardio. Because, you know, when you get into some really severe, uh, you know, calorie usage through training, th that creates a wider sweet spot of a calorie deficit. Like, like, even if it creates a little more hunger and you eat a little bit more, you always still win with a bigger margin with that extra activity because of the compounding metabolic effects. And so, you know, one of the last places I have to tell people is sometimes you, you, we're just going to have to move more. We're going to have to do more, you know, steps in a day. We're going to have to do more concentrated bursts of activity. But again, talking about paying a price, you're just going to schedule this into your day as a good habit. And some days you feel it. Some days you don't. Some days you hate it. Some days it feels good. But we're just going to do it. And you're going to see that's a huge part of the payoff. How much you use the word intensity? How much value do you put on the word intensity? And I and I asked this very strategically. I'll let you know in a second. Yeah, you know, I'll give you an example of my typical cardio because I I like to measure my output as objectively as I can. So let's okay. say I'm let's say I'm getting on the bike first to warm up, okay. and I'll you know on the particular bike I use, I'll I'll look at metrics like okay, I'm starting at level three. And every two minutes, I'm going to go up, I'll go to level four, then two minutes later, I'll go to level five, I'm kind of monitoring my heart rate. But also, I know within that little metric scheme of variables, I know that if I'm going at a really good pace, at the end of 10 minutes, I'm going to go, let's say six miles. Mm -hmm. But if I really feel it, like I'm just, I'm really, we're going to crank it up today. I know I can, I can eke out another 10th of a mile or two tenths of a mile every two minutes. And so I can get to like 6.5 miles. Mm -hmm. And that's when all of a sudden, you know, I'll check and my heart rate is 20 beats an hour faster. I'm sweating more. And then, you know, I'll go to a treadmill and run and I'll do an arc trainer with heavy resistance. And, and again, I'm, I'm looking at those things. And I can tell you that in five days of cardio per week, you know, some days are a little bit lighter and longer because I'm kind of sore or, or fatigued. Mm -hmm. And some days I'm just crushing it with that extra intensity. And, and that really makes a difference because if I start really slacking and just, just decided to kind of take it easy, um, you really see a difference in body comp. So you have to be slightly uncomfortable when dieting if you want to have actually results in terms of weight loss or fat loss even more so. And you have to get a little uncomfortable in the gym because that can not only create deficit in the calories, but also stimulate hormones that are proactive towards uh, changing your body composition from having more fat to maybe storing more muscle and using fat as energy and stuff like that. So uh, go hard, go home instead of just wasting your time in the gym. Would you agree? Yeah. And you don't have to, you know, on day one, go run a marathon, but if, yeah, of course, you know, if you're thinking, okay, for this week, here's what I'm going to do next week, I'm going to add five minutes or next week, I'm going to add this level of intensity as a, as a bit of a boost. 
But uh, you know that that's what's great about your your you know your tagline you know stay sore. <laughs> I mean, it's like you know if if everything just feels easy to you, then you're not creating the stimulus for new adaptation. And you know even as somebody who's been training for forty years. Like I, I still create certain goals for my training cycles and, and I want to be improving somewhere because I mean, why would you want to stay the same? Exactly. Growth or decay. There's no in between. Yeah. Dr. Joe, if people like I'm, I'm a personal trainer, I have a degree in that, but I'm, I'm not allowed to legally prescribe meal plans. So I just thought of that. We haven't talked about this. It's just not like. Uh, paid advertisement or anything. I just thought of it. If people want to get in, in touch or in contact with you and maybe talk about nutrition more, where could they do that? Uh, my website is thedietdoc.com, okay. but you can also find me on Facebook and Instagram, just at Joe Klumzeski. Um I'll put all that stuff in the description below because I'm a, my, my profession is movement and performance, but you would be the guy to talk about nutrition. Yeah. And, you know, state legislations are changing a little bit in that they're softening some of the language in a lot of places. So, you know, maybe 20 years ago, if you're not a medical doctor or a registered dietitian, you, you can't do anything with nutrition. But now they, they typically put in the caveat that as long as you're not doing nutrition, medical therapy. Mm -hmm. um, so you'd be surprised if, if, if the way you are presenting things and articulating things, you know, you, you could help a lot of people with nutrition You, you just have to stay away from saying, okay, here's what you're going to do and here's yeah, why and you better do it this way. And we're going we're gonna to get you off of blood pressure meds. And, you know, as long as you're just saying, hey, here's, here's what I would do. Here's, here's what the science is. <laughs> Trying my best. I know exactly what you're talking about. I know there's, there's ways to help people the best I can. I'm trying and I'm, I appreciate you doing the same thing. I think one rep at a time, one meal at a time, we can make this world a little, a little stronger and fitter. Yep. Thank you so much for being on the show. I'll link Dr. Joe's information down below, guys. Subscribe for more info. And if you have questions for Dr. Joe, leave them in the comments below and maybe we can get him back on the show. Thank you so much. Um, stay sore and uh, see you in the next one.